Hi, you're listening to Find Your Joy. If you're looking for ways to thrive rather than survive in a world that can seem rather chaotic, you're in the right place. We will be sharing stories of our own as well as those from guests who have found ways to bring hope, healing, and freedom into places where trauma has impacted them. I'm Allie, author of The Art of Healing Trauma, and I'm here to remind you that life is sweet. Now, let's dive in and find ways to create our joy. Hi, this is Allie with Find Your Joy, and today I'm excited to have Jeff Klein as a guest. Jeff is a speaker, a trainer, a mentor. I think you've pretty much done it all from uh, business training to uh, working in the motion picture industry. And uh, Jeff, hi, how are you today? Hey, Allie, I'm great. I'm really glad to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. So you're looking over your um, your CV or your uh, you know your your experience levels of so many different things. Tell me a little bit about how you how you found your way through all of that. Well, you know, I say that my life is a series of fortunate accidents. Mm-hmm. I, some of it was you know engineered. I, I intentionally wanted to be in the film business. So I got a theater degree, which is adjacent to that. (laughs) And and I went on to, you know, that led me to, to work on movies and TV shows here in Dallas. And the, the convergence to get on my first movie was one of those fortunate accidents. Uh, I was managing a radio shack as my job. Right. And one of my Film and I had I had stepped out of the film industry for about a year to save up a bunch of money and go to film school. And a buddy of mine called me and asked me if I could work on a music video, and I did. And and that was a, that was actually um, hippie hippie shake from the movie Cocktail. Oh my gosh! Awesome. <laughs> and so I did that music video, and then uh, a, one of my friends working on that crew had to drop something off at an office in the building we were at. And it turned out to be the office for born on the 4th of July. And they were in pre-production. And I, I introduced myself. I asked if they were, you know, if they were crew, if they were done hiring and they were not. So uh, I gave them my information. And a couple of days later, I got a phone call to come in and do an interview. Okay. To, to be a, to sweep the warehouse. The interview was to become the the guy who managed the prop warehouse. Okay. Now, it was the same day as the Radio Shack district manager meeting. So I was wearing a three-piece suit. And <laughs> in order to in order to do all the things I needed to do, I would, didn't have time to change. So I showed up for an interview uh, for a job to sweep floors in a three-piece suit. Okay. <laughs> and... They hired me. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> and so uh, I, I told the district manager I, that uh, the inventory that weekend would be my last one. And I had gotten my dream job finally working on a motion picture. Not just any motion picture, a motion picture with Tom Cruise, directed yes. by Oliver Stone. Oh, my I mean, goodness. Big names. <laughs> and for $50 a day. I swept the warehouse. I organized this giant 
building full of props and got to do research on things like the, uh, the, the set decorators found out I was, uh, I had a comic book collection. So they sent me to a comic show to buy some uh, comics from that time period. So we could put them in Tom's room as his high school room. Oh my God. And they, they uh, sent me to a, to buy some uh, trading cards to put in his teenage room, his high school, junior, senior bedroom. And so I was also wound up shopping for things and I made a, I made a good impression on the, on the, on the bosses. And so they actually let me, sent me to work on the set for a week, which was talk about a dream come true with Tom Cruise and all these other people. Amazing. Uh, I still uh, laugh about how I met. I worked with Rocky Ford, who is the, head of NCIS uh, on TV now, you know, yes, yes. Go for, and on, in front of the 4th of July, he was Tom's orderly. So, <laughs> and uh, I certainly found joy there, Allie. Uh, that was, uh, uh, they, they, my men, my days were a minimum of 13 hours and I was exhausted for three months, but I loved every minute of it. That's amazing. You know what I love about this too, is that you showed up, and, you know, you'd already have a degree in theater, was it? And, and then you were going mm-hmm. through these other right. things. And, you know, I can think of many people who might not have jumped at that opportunity because it was the job for sweeping the floor. Right. Right. I mean, you know, the, but you you saw the jewel in that, right? You, you were a person who said, that's where I want to be. I'm going to sweep floors until forever right. or and- until I do something else. Well, and here's the thing. Until that point, I was a production assistant, wow. which every department in, a, in the movie business has. And right. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted my specialty to be. And right. I wound up taking on art department and props as the my livelihood in the film business. And did that for the next 15 years and worked my way up to prop master and art director, which are right. the two department head titles with in the in that department. Amazing. Uh, and it started, I love that it started with sweeping the floor because there's, yep. I can just think of so many people who would have thought, oh, well, you know, we think sometimes that we're, you know, a little bit better than something or That's, we're going to yep. hold out for something better. But you well, showed especially up in a, coming from a job where I was managing for well, ex- people. Exactly. And, and yeah. And I just, I had just a uh, few months before one manager of the month twice in a row. <laughs> Because so I was good at retail. They yeah, had the I best floor sweepers. It yeah, it wasn't my. It wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But you recognized it as a path, I'm guessing. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. So, so from there, I'm. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be the. This will be the a 13 hour interview because I'm gonna be. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then. <laughs> so, so so now from there, so you're you started out of sweeping and all of a sudden now you're in uh, procure, procure, procurement and you're doing things like that. Now where did you go from there? Because you said well, four months. I worked my. As I said, I worked my way up. Not in movies because that that was, too, it was too much. Tra- you know, go away for three months and right. and things like that. And I that just I wanted to do that for a little while, but it, it never really clicked for me. So I wound up doing a lot of TV commercials, a lot of corporate videos, and being successful 
as an art director for like Boy Scouts of America and wow. EDS and Frito-Lay and things like that. And, and I, I built, tell you what, Allie, I built a lot of chip displays for Frito-Lay. <laughs> we Who did, doesn't like Frito-Lay? <laughs> well, I did almost all of the videos for the drivers. For the tra- training videos for the guys who drive the chips and the and the Pepsi's around to the delivery, and I, I so that was a big part of what I did for those five ten years uh, in the in there. And uh, during that time, I volunteered for the film association, and I became a, 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 a uh, I was a board member for the film association, and then my sort of penultimate job was on wishbone the dog the tv show on uh, on pbs there's wow. wishbone right over my shoulder there this shoulder there's oh there you the yes 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 <laughs> uh, that's awesome teaching kids around great books oh and my gosh then i started to exit the business and i went to work for the association not because uh i knew what i was doing but because i i knew what was well i knew what i was doing at the office I didn't know association management was a profession. Oh, okay. And so describe what that is exactly. Well, for those the, of us like me who don't know. Sure, sure. Well, there's associations for just about every profession. There's the CP, you know, the, the uh, CPA is an association, the National Speakers Association, the Project Managers Association. There's Mensa is an association. The Bowling Proprietors of America is an association. Right. The Oil Oil Change Association. <laughs> These are all groups that are headquartered in Dallas, by the way. Oh, even though okay, they're national okay. and international, right? Um, and so I I got I became the executive director of the Texas Film Association, which has since changed names. But uh, wow. And I wound up going to the. You ready for this? The Association of Associations. Meetings. This was an association of people who work in yes. association management. <laughs> wow! So, so now we have your all your management experience, right? Is all these? I love how uh, things come in. People think, oh, I'll never gonna, I'm never gonna use that again. But you used your theater ex- mm-hmm. uh, degree, and you used your experience from Radio Shack, and yeah, and, and I wound and up doing some, yeah, wound up doing some lobbying in Austin for the industry. Because oh, that's goodness. one of the things associations do. Associations do two or two or three main things. They lobby their state and national legislatures. Right. They train people and provide uh, some. Uh, some of them provide certifications like CPA or CSP or PMI. Those right. kind of things. And then they publish either they publish a directory that our main business was publishing directory of all the crew people in Texas for people coming from outside the state. Um, They also do a lot of associations used to do magazines and now they're all pretty much virtual, but anyway, so association management, wonderful time, really fun three years, but that was another place where they were never going to be able to give me what I wanted as an ultimate you know, income and to make a living. Okay. Yeah. And so I took a job with one of the members of the association, which is how I got into doing film and helping do film and video production for the Texas Rangers baseball club and for the Dallas stars hockey. Wow. And so, 
It's interesting to me, you know, I, I'm, I'm just guessing that back in your post-secondary days and then working as a, you know, a, as a manager at Radio Shack, you did, did you, did you have a dream to get way off to there or was it something that was a step at a time and you started to realize what you wanted more as it happened? How did that unfold? Well, the first, for the first part of my life, the dream was to make movies. Right. And then I got, okay. to, I started doing that. And my dream was just to keep doing that and, and work my way up the food chain. And I did that. You know, wow. I was one of two prop masters on Wishbone. Uh, and it was a big hit. And, and yeah. you know, and I was getting to uh, a point where carrying furniture and things like that wasn't appealing as a everyday job. <laughs> right. Exa exactly. Because there's that part of it that is required that. Right. And so I, I went into the uh, after the association, I was a director of marketing for for a couple of businesses and one with the, the sports association, the sports uh, uh, Southwest Sports Group. And it was my job to get other people to buy our production. You know, we worked with with Dallas Rapid Transit and some other companies. So I was in sales, outside sales. Right. But it's just amazing in a glamorous way. Yeah, but all these these different things. I mean, your knowledge um, of the film industry from from your post secondary education to sweeping the floors to procurement to sales to uh, props. Right. Like it's 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 this thing that just started because often when people talk about when we think about somebody who wants to be in movies, they often want to be well everybody wants to be the important person right that's they that's, either want to be the star or the director right that's right everybody kind of wants to go there and of course it takes so many people but the people who are doing the jobs like you do who made that such an amazing thing it's just interesting to me like you would be the go-to guy if anybody wants to make a video you know absolutely every little step along the way that, you know, even a, an AD or something might not because you did all of those things. That's really fascinating to me. Well, and, and I never got into the technical crafts, like, you know, but I did wind up shooting video and editing video next. That came, that came after being the director of marketing for a couple of businesses. I, I was out on the street again and I wow. had to decide if I, and, so, you know, I, I, I mentioned before I went to Radio Shack to save up for film school, but after right. getting on Born on the Fourth of July, I decided I didn't need to spend three more years in school. I just needed to do on the job training. OK. And, and so uh, that's what I did. And then when I came out of uh, 2001, I was on the street again and I had a choice of whether I wanted to be an employee or wanted to be an or be a self you know, self-employed. Right. And so it was either going to I was going to start a business or go get my MBA. And once again, I decided not to go back to school for three years. Right. Right. <laughs> and I started Klein Creative Advertising, where I wound up shooting video, editing video and all those things, because my budgets were so small that I had to do it all myself. Right. But you so I knew about it. I knew enough to be dangerous. And I also <laughs> knew enough to hire somebody else to do the lighting. Oh, and when I could hire, I even I and I did hire several times. I hired somebody to film to, to be the camera guy. Right. Uh, but I still did a lot of editing, which is a, a really editing is a skill 
it's a learned skill and I will never tell anybody, I would never claim to be an editor. Uh, okay. I edited, I edited because I had a choice of spending money hiring an editor or paying my rent with the money that I would have had to hire an editor with. <laughs> and so out of necessity, I right. learned how to be a competent editor. Wow. And of course, now everybody's editing and they're editing on their phones and all the other stuff. Well, now there's exactly my phone. I mean, I'm not that I know how to do it, but I mean, I know that my phone, I can make a skookum little video yeah, on that and, and, and I could make it pretty fancy. Yeah. And just because it's easy doesn't mean they're as good as a professional. It absolutely does not. And that's the yeah. thing. And having the eye and knowing exactly what should be yeah. where and, and what and I, shouldn't. Yeah. And I would never claim to be as good as a, a professionally trained editor but the stuff I edited worked for what it was and what we needed it to be. Right, exactly. Wow. So, so, so now we've covered, you've done the sweeping and you've done the procurement and you've done the editing and filming as much as you could. And you did the sales, the marketing sales. What else have we done in here? Well, Am I missing the, anything? The <laughs> client creative advertising led to now, led to speaking and teaching networking well, it's, advertising led to teaching the elevator pitch. Okay. And teaching oh. the elevator pitch led to speaking. Wow. So I, became, I was an ex, became an expert at the networking. And in the process of becoming an expert doing that, I became an expert in speaking to get business. Wow. And what I do now is I teach, I still teach the elevator pitch and networking and I have networking classes and and we'll, I'll, you, I, I'll leave you the link to share if people want some free networking stuff. I got some goodies on uh, jeffkleinspeaker.com slash education. Wonderful. And then most of my time is spent speaking, teaching other speakers, and booking speakers. And that's speakercoop.com where anybody can go and find a speaker for their next event. Wow. So, so when you're, is there certain types of things that say you as a speaker, what is there? Um, I mean, I can see from your vast experience that there could be many things that you could be dropped into someplace and you could speak on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Gonna, but I, I stick, I try to stay in my, in, in, a, in my two lanes on that alley. I, I speak on business networking and I speak on speaking Okay. And I'm a great MC. Ah, okay. So I, so, all right. So, and now how long have you been doing your speaking and mentoring? So I started teaching the elevator pitch in 2004. Oh, so oh, wow. 18 years. Yes. And then in, from 2006 to 2009, I spoke about 300 times and became wow. an expert at that. And so starting in 2010, I closed the ad agency, turned speakercoop.com into my business and uh, haven't looked back. That's wonderful. So, so tell me a little bit about the, the, the elevator. I mean, we all hear sure. about it and the elevator thick. So, because I'm thinking a lot of people, if they're, I'm always trying to wonder, or I'm always wondering how exactly if someone's listening, what's going to best serve them. So I'm thinking if someone's trying to get for whatever it is that they're looking for a listener here, the, having your elevator talk, which you can explain a bit more exactly how that is, you know, you're 
30 second or one minute who sure. I am and what I have to, to offer you. Um, so how do you go about teaching some uh, without giving your whole course away? Of yeah, course, no, no, but, I get it. I get it. I understand where you're going. So there's three kinds of elevator pitches. One is the formal elevator pitch that you do at a chamber of commerce meeting or a business networking meeting and people who are, and it's one of the things that people in the holistic industries really struggle with, you know, massage yeah. therapists, chiropractors, they struggle with how to tell people what they do in 30 seconds. Yes, absolutely. And that's the one I'm a specialist in. Oh. The, and, and the result you want from, uh, from that 30-second commercial is a referral or an introduction at the end of that 30-second commercial. Beautiful. And okay. so I teach that. The second kind of commercial is actually in an elevator. And the result you want is to get the business card of the other person you're talking to before oh. they leave the elevator. And the third one is the, the elevator pitch for, for raising capital for a business. And while I've helped a few people with that, I try to try not to spend too much time in that lane because it's way high pressure and not nearly as much fun. Right, right. Well, I like when the, the, the whole thing about, around the elevator talk is I get it because most of us, it's the same for, I get it when that someone asks you to write a bio. Most of us are, you know, um, I've, you know, been an author and a few, a co-author and a few books and wrote my own book. And then I go to do something else and people ask me for a bio and I'm telling you, I'm like a deer in the headlights. I, all of a sudden I forget everything I do. Right. Um, what, what is well, it that I yeah. do? Right. And so that, so learning how to pull out the gems, all the nuggets, that's a really valuable skill. Yeah. Well, and the bio you should sit down and write a couple of bios or work with a marketing person to help you write like a 200 word bio and a 500 word bio. Yes. And then they're done and you don't have to worry about them anymore. Oh, and a 50 word bio. That could Believe be your elevator not. talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your 50 word so, bio is basically your right, elevator speech. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but what, and, and I've worked with a lot of people in the holistic industries uh, uh, and what they what what helps them the most is to understand that the commercial is not to try to tell people your modalities and everything you do the commercial is simply to say what you do what your profession is and who's a good introduction for you who and is a, a right who's a good referral and mm -hmm. the best referrals are other people who are selling to the same people you are. So the massage therapist shouldn't ask for people in pain because we all know that's what, that, that that's who they want to meet. The massage therapist should ask to meet a chiropractor they can partner with. Ah. Or a, or a, a um, now I've forgotten what you call the, uh, the, the needles. Uh, acupuncture. Yes. Or an acupuncturist they can partner with. Right. People that are, that are, um, who are like-minded mm -hmm. or, or physical therapists, like yeah, they can partner medical, with. Right. All, all exactly. complementary medical Ex professionals. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Or, yeah. you know, if you're a massage therapist, you should ask to meet personal trainers. Right. Whose, right. Whose clients need, whose colleagues and clients need massage. Ah, that's, that's, that's good information. I hope somebody's listening to it right yeah, now. And and they're the, like, that's oh. a, yeah, that's a big takeaway for the, for the folks that are listening. That's the, if you just take if you take nothing else away, 
ask for people that that you can partner with. Right. Building teams. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. In my book, I talk about building teams. Like when you're, when you're looking for ways to find healing for yourself, build your own team, right? Imagine that you're the person that goes into, I'm going to use the hospital as an example, but it's not necessarily only medical things. We all need to find our own team, build our own team for our health, whether that's you know, counselors or acupuncture, complementary medical things, doctors, whatever it is, nutritionists, all of it, friends, um, and the same way with the business. So I like that because you're very, that's a great point that often when people are in the complementary medical fields, they are often looking for the client or patient rather than who is going to be the best person to team up with. Yeah. And send me more than what, you know, patients every month. Yes, because if I'm going to a massage therapist, the chances are I'm going to also be interested in chiropractic and uh, acupuncture and all of those things. Right. I like it. Ah, yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Thanks. Wow. So, Jeff, this is um, sadly our time is very limited here today. I mean, it's been awesome to meet uh, many people and you are one of them that's been so interesting to me. I could sit and listen to your stories forever because I I mean, you've what a life you've had right from the film industry to just all the things that you're doing. It's 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 incredible. It's exciting. And it's really speaks to finding a way to make your own path. And just get to where you want to be ultimately and, and just not giving up because and trust the, yeah, I trust the universe. Uh, uh, That's big for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I'm, I'm already, my mind is, is uh, spinning around thinking I can't wait to go and check out all the stuff that you have to offer. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that many of our listeners will as well. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you very much. You're welcome, uh, Allie. Thank you. Thanks. And this is Allie from Find Your Joy. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you found a piece of your joy in this episode, I would love to hear about what came up for you so that we can continue to grow the impact of this show. Thanks again. See you soon. And remember, find your joy.